the Attributive Security Podcast, where we discuss information security without dwelling on too many technical details or requiring you, our listeners, to be experienced security engineers to follow along. In this episode, we're discussing a term and a concept we probably use fairly frequently, but haven't previously focused on, balanced risk. Does your security team deal only with threats and risks that have a potential negative business impact? Are risks the business is facing that if they materialise will provide a business benefit handled completely separately and by a different team? Stick around as we discuss a more holistic view of risk management. This is this is the whole thing, right? With a, In our personal daily lives and in our communities, our cultures, people aren't, aren't accepting or may not be accepting change. While... At the same time, the IT industry is delivering change to them in the form of new services. Yeah. Because these these companies want to make more money. That's their strategy, a part of their strategy. They do want to make more money, but they're often ill-equipped to seize those opportunities. It's not that long ago I was with a large financial institution and we were having conversations about how long it was going to take to get an AWS account. And it was months, lots of months. I think the lowest estimate was around nine months. Wow. And that's just to get the account. And there's a whole load of issues with that. I mean, some of them are around procurement. They have established practices. They have policies. They have procedures that maybe at least on on the IT side, we're not set up for having a subscription-based model. They were used to buying things. It was a capital expense. On-premise. And now you're, you're looking at a subscription model, or you're actually, when you actually drill down into it some more, it's not just a subscription model. It's actually a pay-per-use model. Yep. Now, that is a big change for, for a lot of established organizations that have these I wouldn't say rigid, but they they have these these structures and uh, in place. You know, for a small company, it's it's maybe just well, you you talk to the financial director and you work it out over a coffee. For a big company with those structures in place, it it's it's change. And then you've got the the shared responsibility model, and that what effect does that have on your whole philosophy, your whole meta model for security? So you've got you've got all these things pushing back against you going, you know, adopting a a cloud model. So the technology came along and people struggled to really get on board with that. And it wasn't necessarily the the technical uh willingness or or anything like that. It it was structures in place that were built around the way IT worked and had worked for for decades. And unpicking some of that and being able to adopt the deployment models, the security models, the um, procurement models of something like cloud computing has taken time. And people have, in a sense, been left behind. They haven't been able to realize those opportunities, at, certainly at the pace of some of the the smaller, more agile challenger companies in the market. Yeah, yeah. So... So when you say opportunities, what is it actually you refer to? Sorry for asking. I think there's there's a wealth of different views on, on cloud computing. 
No, what, what I mean is uh, the word opportunity. How do you use that word? What is an opportunity? What is an opportunity? Because uh... to me, that is in, in relation to risk management. Right. The opportunity is something outside your sphere, outside your context that you can use, that you can leverage I... to increase on yes. your targets. I was pausing there. I was pausing there because I was about to go down the path of it's something outside of your your sphere of control, I guess, that you yeah. can leverage to the betterment. Now, indeed, the, the reason I was I was pausing there is to be a little careful on that because I think sometimes the opportunities come from within, but much as with insider threat that we're all familiar with they're not part of the organization part of the structures part of the design of what you're trying to do they may come from they're, within but they're not uh part of your model i guess and therefore they are not within that particular domain that you're referring to so they are outside they they are but from a naive look of things they're they're inside it's quite subtle that you know they're, they're yeah. not I can live with that. They're not within your sort of governance and your process and your your model of how the, how the business is running. Indeed. One of your staff going off on some downtime or even not in a in a pejorative sense going rogue and and doing something and all of a sudden there's there's something there but it's not something that you're really developing as part of your your operational model. True. Yeah. And sometimes it is it is a challenge to actually discover the opportunity or to classify something as an opportunity it's very hard i think people in certainly in the security space to see what an opportunity is well and how it is no well it isn't that that difficult it's it's the um what is so if something needs to be available what is an opportunity there could if information needs to be available, right? Right. So what could be an opportunity there to make sure that you will have the availability around that information? Antivirus is an opportunity. Okay. It's very rare, I think, for things to be simple. As an industry, to a greater or lesser extent, maybe a lesser extent in your case, we tend towards the the threats and the, the negative consequences, and we look at putting controls in, and there's the mantra of minimizing all risk. If we can screw down the risk a little bit more, we can all go home happy. But it's not that simple. Every time you put a control in place, you're potentially increasing your attack surface somewhere, putting something else in the network. Those things have risks. Yep. They have risks to availability. You could destabilize something. They have, as I said, attack surface, so they'd be attacked via those. By those things, they could have vulnerabilities, but also you're potentially limiting your flexibility, your agility, uh, and your, I guess, your uh, ability to seize opportunities that may arise. I think you mentioned a new software tool coming along that's going to radicalize the way you do your business. Going back to what we were saying before about the cloud stuff, if you're not in a position where you can procure that piece of software and you can get it into your process in a in a timely manner because you've got all these other procurement controls or 
network controls and controls on installing new software and hey it's a it's a startup what's their reputation we buy from our big integrators then you're also putting those controls in place is also restricting your your ability to seize these opportunities so it, it, it's it's not a screw this one thing down and it's not affecting something else it's it's a complex system and sometimes those effects you you can't predict or at least it's difficult to predict hence the definition of a risk uncertain event with an uncertain outcome that's correct and yes you are right uh when you say well i'm not talking about the ri- i'm i'm more talking about the the mitigation of the risk that has uncertainty as well that's what i wanted to add here that in addition when you are mitigating a negative risk um, yes that introduces a new surface um, and the same would go for opportunities the positive things there if you would like to seize opportunities by using your strengths leverage those then you can you can either create more opportunities or you can actually introduce negative risks yeah. by seizing opportunities that's uh, yeah and it's all about this finding a balance between mitigating the bad and maximizing the good yeah. stuff there. so i think we maybe it'd be useful if you could try and define balanced risk in one or two sentences because i think balanced risk is something we've referred to a lot implied assumed in the podcast and we haven't probably defined what we mean by it what do you think balanced risk is in in one slide I think it is to, um, it's it's on one hand, limiting the impact a negative risk can have as much as possible by identifying the elements that create this negative risk and doing the right controls on the right time on the right place to mitigate that to a level where you're not exceeding uh, a expenditure uh, that would decrease in another area, of course, it makes no sense to put all your money to avoid this from ever, ever happening. Well, the chance of that is just once a year or once every hundred years. So you need to find in the first place a balance in doing the just the right stuff to eliminate, mitigate the negative or whatever risk action you would take there in relation to also the positive things there, the positive risk, which is still an uncertain event with an uncertain outcome. There may something good coming from this, but it depends on whether we put the right money or the right enabler on the right place on the right time to grasp that opportunity to make sure that leveraging this additional thing helps us to increase on our performance targets, on our goals. Yeah, and I think I think the important thing there is although we're using the word balance, we're not literally looking at a balanced scale where a positive upside risk and a negative or a downside risk are in balance and they're perfectly balanced. We're looking at our goals, we're looking at our risk appetite, and we have a target of how much risk we want to take in various different factors as well. I mean, we've talked about risk appetite being different for different types of risk. It's it's not one equation. But we are, I, th- I think, looking at things holistically and looking at those opportunities and the threats at the same time and, and trying to balance yeah. 
what we can do to reduce some of the yes. uh, the negative risks without unduly restricting the opportunities, enabling the opportunities without introducing unpalatable negative risk. So indeed, so there is a there could be a relationship between them. It's not always a part of that same equation as you were saying, but it's it's more also important to uh, see if that if you are grasping those opportunities that you do not topple over and then create a, a negative risk to the organization. An example that I uh, I sometimes use is if you're a food delivery service a company, and let's say you're in a big city. And you have heard about advertisements. So you could do a radio uh, spot there. Buy some time and do a commercial. That is an opportunity, this commercial for you. So you have some money, you have some, you hire some capabilities, and now you can create a commercial, you can run it on the radio. This attracts more customers. So your, your performance target is, right, your goals is to attract more customers and to keep a steady growing base of new customers. And then a commercial is an opportunity for you. So you seize it, you run that commercial, and more customers come in. Great, that's what you wanted. That was your target. But because of this success story of this commercial, there's too many customers coming in because you kept the commercial running too long. And then suddenly you have it invested in your, your baseline of dealing with all those customers because you can't cope with 100 new customers a day, which degrades the quality of your service, <laughs> which now is a risk, a negative yep. risk, because people are now walking away again. Yeah, I think the only, the only thing I would add to that is I think the, the opportunity, the positive risk, is not a factor of a return on investment. So it's not the... We spent this much on the on the advert in your case, and we're hoping to recoup that and get something on top. Sometimes there are there are costs to enabling those opportunities, but I don't think, from the risk sense, it, it it's primarily about looking at the return on that Indeed. enablement it's, activity. It's whether or not you actually achieve the the goal. So, you may not have to spend anything. It, it's not always it's not always buying a lottery ticket. Which is which has got a cost of buying the ticket, and then you have the potential of winning. I think that's that's sometimes the case, but correct. It doesn't always have to be the case. So that opportunity is in relation to the goal that you are assessing at that point, not so much to the to the overarching stuff. The difference being, what I actually wanted to say is, uh, and I think we agree there, that the opportunity is not to have increase of revenue. But the opportunity is something you seize to increase on goals in in context of, yeah. But that brings me on to another thought you mentioned there. So you've done the advert, you've increased your customer base, you've got some new customers, but potentially that's also got some revenue associated with it as well. So mm -hmm. you're already looking at a couple of different sure. um, impacts, let's call them. Yeah, and or let's call them systemic relationships. Okay, if you if you want to go big words. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. 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 Uh, they can have a positive impact on other elements there. Yeah, and I think it's making me wonder 
the way we manage a lot of this stuff, we talk about risk management. I guess in the SABSA sense, why are we managing risks? Why are we not managing attribute performance? In well, Actually, we are. Because your risks are related to the attributes performance targets. No, but when I am putting together my plan to address some risks, why am I looking at the risk, uh, the risks that I'm going to try and address rather than, and from a SABSA sense, you probably wouldn't be doing this, but from the general industry sense, you're not looking at those attributes and saying, right, I've got this availability attribute. That's what I need to need to fix. You've got the, oh, I've got this ransomware threat. I need to address that. Ah, not I see what you anything mean. Yeah. that could affect availability. And availability is the thing I'm going to focus on today. Well, but that, that has to do, my presumption here is that, that many people on this planet have a risk template, a spreadsheet in Excel, right? Uh, it, it, where they have a questionnaire, a, a list of items they need to go through, and one of those would be ransomware. One of those would be man-in-the-middle attacks. And that is what they are assessing. They're not assessing the business requirement and what can go wrong around that business requirement. In other words, that attribute. So our, our starting point is already incorrect, if I can say so. Yeah, that's what I was uh, postulating, I think. That we're, we're starting from yeah. the, wrong, the wrong place. So when we, we, are, when we, so when when we talk about managing, managing risk and balancing risk, we're looking at risk, not at business performance yes and actually in that sense there uh, when you're saying this to me it sounds like we're not managing risks indeed we're zooming in on the elements and we're toying with those elements avoiding those to be materialized when they collide but that's not really managing risks because the risks risks are around the business targets yeah and we're looking at a a risk that may impact multiple targets and we're going from the centricity of the risk rather than which target are we going to, what are we going to do about this target? What are we going to do about that but it's, target? About it's that it's also a challenge. If you want to do a proper risk assessment, uh, it may be a challenge to, because it, it can consume quite some time there. If you have to think about the real threat to something that is in scope of your risk assessment, which it's hard if you want to do this uh, during the hours you have been given uh, by your employer or the, the, the one who hired you, opposed to a spreadsheet that has 200 questions that you need to go over and take a box saying, yes, applicable, not, not applicable. Oh, it, and it's not just that. I think you've got, and this is maybe controversial, but I think you've got the same sort of thing with something like threat modeling. You you take your design, you decompose your design, and then for a lot of people, it's just like, what am I, what are my spoofing threats here? What are my tampering threats here? Repudiation threats here? And you go through a very structured thing, and structure is good. Don't get me wrong. I think that's helpful in terms of completeness and in terms of mental models and things but you're still going down those threat-centric views of things yep um, and often not without even having an understanding of what the business is so there's there's no way you can prioritize without the without the business context 
without the business context, with a subjective approach to likelihood, for example. Yeah. Um, and there's so much wrong in in how we deal with risk management. And I can I can mainly speak for uh, for our industry, but there's so much fud being used there still. And there's I said it's so much subjectivity going around there when it comes to estimating the real threats. Because if you do a proper risk assessment, would solar winds could that have been avoided? I think there are avoided is a big word. Could it have been mitigated? Yes. Agree. Avoided, no. Right, but mitigated. We've already talked before about why do why do some of these you put these systems in and they increase your your risk. They they introduce new risk. They have an attack surface. They have vulnerabilities. Yeah. So you've got to look at that, and then you've got to think. Well, if I put this thing in, obviously it's it's got its headline reasons for putting it in it's going to reduce some risk somewhere it's going to squash down there but are you increasing your risk somewhere else and and what's the assessment of that and what can you do what can you do about that and we were talking just earlier about printers being able to connect to the internet why why can your monitoring software connect to the internet are your um your monitoring interfaces i guess on a management network is your management network segregated yep so there's, there's stuff you, you certainly can and should maybe be doing to reduce the risks of putting what's essentially an untrusted piece of technology in your, in your environment. Can you prevent it? Probably not. So great. Just playing devil's advocate here. Um, so that means that even though if you have, if you believe that you've managed your risks, that you've managed all your weaknesses, you still need to keep an eye on whether something may go wrong unforeseen. Yes. So this is because this is where well, I. I mean, was what, what, what else is a zero day? I agree, right? It's a vulnerability <laughs> you didn't um, know you had. That you did not. Yes, you were not aware. And, but this is what I'm. Was I what? This is what I wanted to bring up here too. Is we think we are doing risk management while there's so much we don't see, we don't know. We're bad at doing risk management. Well, we're we're bad and. I think people in general are bad. If you if you look at Adam Grant's recent, fairly recent book, Think Again, um, you know it goes into a lot of we're really bad at knowing what we don't know and acknowledging yeah. what we don't know and actually taking steps to address what we don't know. Head in the sand. That's how it sometimes feels. Or, or sometimes the case is, well. We knew three months ago, three years ago, as you say, head in the sand, the world's moved on. Yeah. The attacker's come back with his trebuchet now or his, or his ladder Indeed. or something. And you hadn't even considered that because that didn't exist at the time. You do your risk assessment at a point in time and you're not expected at that time to presuppose any future capabilities the attacker may gain. That are not even on the horizon yet. But this is so this you've is got where to, we you've got to redo that as the as the context changes. So therefore, risk assessment is not a one-off. It's a continuous thing. You need to keep an eye on the evolution, on the changes. There's and also when I mean, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there because I'm not teaching SAPSA here. It's a continuum. It's not something you can do once every six months. Yeah, I, I, continuous is uh, a lordy goal. Well, I, yeah, I don't mean continuous as in every day again, you the whole day you're doing this risk assessment, but it's a continuum as in once you've identified a risk, you at a certain point need to reevaluate that risk again. It's, cer- it's certainly periodic and it's not not a hugely long period. Yeah. But I think you've also got to start getting smarter and when you are doing your risk assessment, you've got to consider what your context is. You've got to consider what your assumptions are and do your best to record those, I guess, and monitor those. And if as you're doing your risk assessment, you are doing a reasonable job of actually calling out where your assumptions are important and where your aspects of your context are important. When you've identified that those assumptions were wrong or the context has changed, you can you can focus in on the the affected areas and you're not doing the whole risk assessment from scratch every time. Yeah. You, you do actually know what uh, you, or at least you've got a better handle on what's going to be so affected you're and what on you need stuff to research. you've done before and this contributes to balancing cuz I, I i would think so i think going back to to balancing cuz we we had a bit of a aside there i think and we talked about some technology examples um, but at the risk of getting political i think the the big one at the moment certainly for us in the uk is is around covid um so i've seen a couple of members of the government, let's say, who have been coming out in the last week or so with COVID deaths are are a thing we're going to have to learn to live with and we can't prevent it, at least in the short term. Yeah. I guess going back to the sort of eradication of smallpox type arguments, you know, we're living with with flu every, every year. And the other one being that we can't run the economy solely on the goal of not filling up the hospitals. We've got to have a balance. There. Correct. And the whole lockdown thing we've we've been seeing does have consequences. Going back to what we were saying before, I saw another article in the last few days around cancer treatments. I think it was Cancer Research UK saying people starting treatment for breast cancer over the last year was 10,000, 10,600, I think, down. And that that isn't the... There's less people getting cancer. I think the the number across all cancers was well over 30,000. It's that people are struggling to see their their doctors and get diagnosed. People are nervous about going into hospitals and being exposed to COVID. So that's, a I guess, a non-IT example where the controls you're putting in place are actually, uh, you know, having having effects outside of the the primary rationale for putting them there and balancing the whole you know we've we've actually got to get the economy running to some degree and hey guys people are dying here and you know I don't want to get into the politics of of all that but absolutely Same I think here. it does highlight that there is a balance to be drawn there yep definitely and that's that's what you hear uh, over here too um, we have to go back to a society where we have to accept the risks of this happening. That not everybody is going to survive life. 
thinking there's a a magic pill that's that's going to fix everything is putting your head in the sand absolutely because we're the politics then comes into you know where do you draw that balance and that's that's directly applicable to what we were talking about of well what are what are your business goals what are your objectives what where what's your risk appetite where are you trying to draw that balance um and that's i guess where the politics come into it but i think people do need to recognize that there is a balance to be drawn there the very measures we've put in place and i'm not i'm not arguing they shouldn't have been in place i'm not arguing they shouldn't still be in place i think everybody at least mainstream except the the measures needed to be in place but as we start getting the vaccine levels up the the equation changes the the needle moves and you've got to accept that those measures that have been put in place are having knock-on effects on people not being treated for other conditions huge i think i think we won't even see the the full extent of it for for years to come huge effects on people's um, mental health oh yeah oh yeah and i think i'll just leave it at the much as it's a decision you wouldn't wish on anyone to have to make it's not an easy decision and we're saying oh well we're going to balance these these risks and we've got these threats and these opportunities it's it's never easy no we're talking about the concept that the the actual making those decisions is is not probably not going to be easy and i think that that goes on from if you've got a simple system and you can you can turn one knob and it's predictable what effect that's going to have that's fine if you've got a a complicated system where maybe you then start getting into well i'm going to i'm going to turn that dial and it's going to affect three or four different things and and some of them are then going to have maybe a secondary impact on on something else but actually i can decompose it all and i can can figure it all out and yes it's complicated but i can understand what the effects going to have you then move into a complex system where you just don't have that predictability and the only way you can really do things is by turning it a bit and observing what happened and then trying to circle around from there uh, it's a very different it's a very different model of of problem solving as you move from complicated to complex systems and get emergent properties and and all those other uh, complications yeah yeah i agree with you this uh, jonathan brooks one uh, brought this up uh, referring to this this complexity theory of david snowden that's kenevin yeah dave snowden yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's something I think people should go and have a look at if they aren't familiar with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's quite interesting. It sort of it sort of starts with realizing that you are in a complex system. If you if you realize this, you can start doing something. Yeah, yeah. As you, as you say, the first thing is to identify what sort of system you're in. Yeah. If you're in a complex system and you treat it as a, as a complicated system, you'll lose. <laughs> you, you're going to be in a world of pain. Yeah. So yeah, correctly identifying those that type of system is, yeah. is certainly uh, the first step, really. And then you can start applying the the appropriate methods. True. And much as we certainly, I might be seen as knocking best practice and things. When you get down to simple or simpler systems, A happens. Well, what do you do? Yeah, probably do B because it is a simple system, and you don't have all those other complexities and contextual details to wrestle with and 
the vast majority of the time, the, the solution is going to be the same. When you start getting into more complex things, then you've really got to be a lot more attuned to the context. True. But I think we can sort of, again, without getting too much into the weeds, look at what else we mean about balancing risk. We're talking to a lot of people who are very control-centric, because let's face it, that's that's the industry we live in. It's fairly control-centric. But just to get started on balancing risk, balance the 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 control you're putting in the reduction of risk with usability with user friction with interoperability with maintainability if you can't maintain the system yes on day one maybe your risk is going to be reduced but you've got a a debt there to pay back later that you're going to have a a system that is slowly becoming less secure supportability scalability cost effectiveness You've got to balance all these things, you know, without trying to get it too much into the into the weeds of of the technology. Time to market. There's the balance between how much how much risk you're carrying and actually the opportunity of the the relate to being in the market at all. True, true. And even even trying to find a balance between all of those, like you said, uh, time to market, uh, maintainability and operability, all of those, there, there's there's a need for balance between those aspects there too. Yeah, it's one of those toys where you squash it down somewhere and it it bulges out somewhere else. That that's the reality we live in. It's it's not a simple system. You just put yeah. your control in and you reduce one risk, and you go home and sleep well. Five p.m. Oh, yeah, 5 p.m. Well, I mean, you don't even have to put the control in it. You just go home at 5 p.m. <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah. It's half in. It's half in. It's all right. Yeah, it's almost done. I've put the doorway in. I, just, I haven't put the door in yet, but it's all right. I'm going home. It's okay. It's 5 p.m. I'm going home. Yeah. It's, well, the conceptual door is here. If you close your eyes, you can see the door. So it's there. See you tomorrow. It's on the plan. It's on the plan. So that's, that's, that's it, right? No, you're correct. Anyhow, um Going from from uh, opening a door or keeping the door open into finding a balance between instead of having a control-based approach, we also discussed this finding a balance between mitigating the negatives and maximizing opportunities, not so much as within the same equation, but there may be a relationship between them. And there's also a balance in how much you put, how much effort you put in fixing the negatives and how much effort you put in grasping the opportunities, the positives, because they both also have a cap there. Yep, absolutely. The opportunities, you've, you've got to be in the right place and have the required amount of agility, I guess, to be able to respond to those if they, if they come to fruition. That's the, the risk side of things, I guess, is that it's outside of your control whether or not that opportunity will reach a a point at which you can seize it if you're talking about the opportunity being a new tool and you're relying on somebody developing that tool and and offering it to the market then that's where the the uncertainty comes in yeah yeah and there's, there's uncertainty on the on the downside as well you're making a lot of assumptions about what the threat landscape looks like and what it's important for you to address and whether or not you can effectively address those and what the effects of those mitigations is going to be. 
everybody knows, or at least once you think about it, that you can't you can't get rid of all getting rid of all risk out of your business is probably the best surefire way of going out of business because you're in business to take risks to get a return. That's what you're you do. in life to take risks. Period. Indeed, you're in life to take yeah. risks. Yeah, the same thing applies to individuals as yeah. it does to business. Yeah. You take risks. You get get a, a a dump of adrenaline and um, whatever the other one is. You enjoy life, or you sit in the corner and you don't enjoy life. You've got to take risks to. Uh, to We're serving cap there to, but that's again balancing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's what you got to balance, and it's a it's a different balance in different it contexts. Is. And this is what you were referring to, that if you mitigate something or you maximize something because you need to deal with the risks, you may have an impact on somebody else, uh, negative or positive. But uh, this should also be, well, shoot. Sometimes you need to consider this before you take action. Otherwise, you may end up in jail. Yep. Yep. You may do, but but then there's a different context in terms of we we all live lives with different personas in different contexts, and where you draw that balance is going to vary. As as I said, you've got a different risk appetite, you've got different goals yep. in different aspects of your life, and and that balance will, as a result of that, will differ where you where you find that Correct. balance. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We hope you found it interesting and that it reaffirmed, clarified or questioned your ideas around risk management. While some risks, be they positive or negative, may be completely independent, others interact in ways that are sometimes unforeseen or hard to comprehend. Taking a holistic view of risks enables us to better manage aggregate outcomes and sets us up for greater success. Let us know your thoughts and comments. If you disagree, please share your rationale with us. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay safe out there.